Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we, before we pray today, is it okay? Can we thank Brent for being with us to lead worship with us for today? <laughs> So, and for those of you that don't know, Brent and his family used to be part of our church. David Hall was very instrumental in helping us start in Pam, and uh, we watched Brent grow up, and he's been playing a keyboard for a long time, and then he's went on to play at Believer's Church and several other places, and he's sharing what God is going to do through his life. So it's incredible to see somebody that we knew, and and several people have invested in Brent here, to see him go on and and just live out the life that God has for him. So we thank you for being here today, and um, we celebrate that. So... Um, as we go to the Lord in prayer, I know there's many things, um, but I did want to say, because Charles is here this morning, Charles Chapel's mom passed away um, this, this past week, and they're doing the funeral tomorrow at 11 down in um, uh, Gates, North Carolina, Tyner, North Carolina, at Happy, Happy Home Pentecostal Holiness Church, and, uh, and so that's going to be a great day of celebration for an amazing life, and uh, while we didn't know her, we do know Charles. And look at the investment that she had in this man, and um, we just thank God for that. So just keep them in prayer, too, because even though it's a celebration of a life, it's tough losing somebody that close. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, we just celebrate that Brent came here and led worship with us, and we were able to worship God through a young person that, that several people have invested in, and Lord, just his heart for you. And I just pray as he goes further in life, and Lord, he'll go past us, we know that. And, and I just pray, God, you use his life to affect the kingdom of God, because it's not a new branch thing, it's a kingdom of God thing, and we just thank you for him. Lord, I pray for a grieving family, for, for Charles' mom that passed away, and his family and friends, and all the lives that were touched by her, and I pray for the service tomorrow that, that it will be honoring to her life, but, but ultimately to, to you, Lord, that leaves a lasting legacy. And, um, and I thank you for them, and I pray for comfort for them, and um, what a great thing they're here today. And, um, and then, God, I just pray for each one of us that, Lord, there, there, there's probably somebody that came today looking for hope. Lord, there's several of us that come here today to worship you. There's some people that came here today and they go, I wish I could worship God, but I don't feel like I'm in that spot. I pray today, Lord, as we open up your word, that you'll speak to us and you'll show us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So that's uh, Alpha is coming up for us, and just so you know what that is about is as we come close to the fall, a lot of people are trying to get back into small groups. Some people haven't ever been in small group before, and you're going, I don't know if I'd want to be part of a small group, and this is a great opportunity to get to be part of it. And so we're running a couple of special groups this fall. One is Alpha, which is some basic Bible. I'm going to have Vinny come up and talk about it just a little bit if Vinny wants to come, and then we got one other group we'll talk about. I didn't know what football team, if it was like the Dallas Cowboys, you might miss it. That's, I didn't know what fans you were. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's funny. You could say the same for Redskins, I guess. All right, so anyway, I'm a Redskins fan, so it's tough. All right, so, so what I want you to do with that is this. If you want to be part of it, it's going to be starting in October. We haven't got all the details on it yet, but pull out your welcome card and sign up for it and just say, hey, I'd like to get some more information about Alpha. And I had Vinny come just because I wanted to make sure you knew that. The other one we're having is called Cleansing Stream, and it's a little bit different uh, kind of class. But um, I'm going to have Karen Castle is going to come, and just I wanted you to know who these people are so you can talk to them. And all of these are going to probably be starting in October, so it gives you a few weeks to think about it. We, we've talked about several things here.
here where we talk about anger or we resentment or bitterness or even guilt. Cleansing stream is a great place to go where it just kind of helps you unload some of that stuff and get some biblical principles to overcome offense in your life. So if that's, if that's you, um, I'd, I'd really say, man, really sign up for that. Sometimes it's things that you go, I didn't realize, I see the symptoms, but I didn't realize that's what's holding me back. And it's just been powerful in a lot of our lives. And so that's going to be a small group starting up. And um, if you want to sign up for it, just pull out your connection card and write it down. Um, And if you need time to think, that's fine. It's not until October, so we want to give you some time. But for some of us, we've said, hey, I wanted to be part of a small group, but you've been coming a while and you haven't connected. And so what I'm going to ask is, is it doesn't have to be one of those two. got several other ones. But write down on your connection card and say, hey, you know what, this fall, I want to get in a small group. Maybe you need to make that commitment today so you don't walk out and go, hey, it's another year went by and I still don't have the relationships that I need. So we're going to be putting that out in front of you in the days to come. And today we're going to wrap up a series called Generations. And we've been talking about a lot of different generations from kids to teens to young adults to middle age last week. And today, we're going to talk about what happens when you get older. And uh, we called it, I put it on the outline, mature adults, because they didn't like the idea elderly. So we said, hey, we'll not do that. They said, we'll kill you if you say that again. And, um, and so we said, but what do you do when you have, you know, less years, you know, more years behind you than you do ahead of you? Or this is getting to be the end, and, and, and what do we do in this last part? And so today, we're going to kind of talk through, what do we do? And uh, it was kind of ironic that Brent led worship today. We kind of thought maybe he should come for the young adult service, you know, when we talked about that. Instead, he comes for it all. So it's kind of like, hey, out with the old, in with the new. Anybody ever feel like that? Where it's like, hey, I'm getting replaced with somebody younger or a better model, and it's really tough. And, um, and, and it can be because that's what happens in life. And then I'm getting forgotten, or I, I used to be able to do these things, and now I can't, and it's really hard. And I, and I thought it was neat that Vinny brought up the idea of a football analogy. Because here's what I was thinking of. You know what my favorite part of a game is? I don't know if it is for you guys. It's the very end. I don't know if you guys feel that way. A lot of times I don't even watch the game until it gets close to the end. They go, hey, is this going to be good? If it's a blowout, I could care less about watching, right? But when it gets really close and it's coming down to the last few minutes of the game, that's my favorite part of a game or a, or a fighting match or whatever else where you're going, man, they are going at it and it's going to come down to the wire. And it's like that is the most awesome game in the world to watch and the most stressful to be part of, isn't it? And, and not only that, but it even amps it up further when you're in a game. I used to play football, and one of the things that I learned was this, is that when it comes down to the end, you know what they do? Right in the fourth quarter, they have this thing called a two-minute warning. You know what I'm saying? So it punctuates it. It goes, hey, by the way, you got two minutes left to decide who wins or loses. I remember the coach would come out, and he'd be like, you know, and at that point, the coach gets to come out. And for those that have played both, you know, offense and defense, that gets tough, right? I mean, when you play the entire game and you're getting down to the end, and if you played really hard, then you're tired, and some people are hurt and injured. And he comes out, and, and he would say, you know what you got to do, guys? You got to leave it all on the field. Because tomorrow, what you do in these next two minutes, not what's happened up till now. I know you're irritated with each other because now the game's went on long enough that somebody made a mistake, somebody did something you didn't like, you're mad at the other team, you're, you, know, you got all kinds of stuff going on in your head. And it's hurting, and you don't have it, but you're going to have to dig deep and in this last minute leave everything you got on the field because this will determine whether you win or lose. Now, I want to be careful how I say this because this message could come across really wrong today. I, I know in, in the time of my life where I've struggled with things, when somebody tried to relate to me and I went, but you've never been through that? 
I was kind of like, would you just shut up? I mean, I, I don't even want to hear it come out of your mouth. And, and the problem here is, is that I'm not part of that generation, despite what some of you guys think. I'm not part of that generation yet. Close, getting close, getting very close. And nobody knows how many years you got behind you. I get that. But there's a season of life where you go, you're starting to come down. And I go, for somebody to try to falsely relate to that would be disingenuous. But I do know this. I believe that God hasn't let me go from saying there is a message here that God wants to deliver. And I believe it's this. For some of you guys, there's two minutes left. And the game's not over. And the coach, God, is coming onto the field of life and he's going, hey, wait a minute. Before you just dismiss this, before you just say, hey, I'm getting old and this is over and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I got all this stuff and it's been a tough thing. And I, and I could just coast. He's going, hey, guys, this game is so important and it's not over. Leave it all on the field. And I believe that's what he's saying today. And today we're going to look at somebody's life in the Bible that I think really teaches this point. And it's the life of the Apostle Paul. Um, for those of you that don't know who he is, we talked about him just a few weeks ago when we talked about young adults and how, how to invest in young adults or teenagers. And, and it was a very important passage. And we said, hey, the Apostle Paul, for those of you that don't know or maybe you're new today or whatever, is he was an apostle that was called later. So Jesus had 12 d disciples. And then later on, he called one more after Judas had betrayed him and all that, then he called one more apostle who was a Pharisee. Now, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, they were the self-righteous ones that, that actually were the reason, you know, they, they actually said Jesus should be crucified because he wasn't good enough for them. I mean, Jesus wasn't good enough for the Pharisees. That's how self-righteous they were. And that's who Paul was. And he persecuted the church after that, and he tried to stamp it out, and he said, you believe in Christ, I'll kill you. In fact, he killed Christians. He killed Christians' children. He'd say, hey, look, I'll torture your kid and you deny your faith. Because he believed the best thing he could do to serve God is to stamp out Christianity. And then, then he, then he had, a, had an encounter with the resurrected Christ where Christ appeared to him. And Christ called him to be an apostle, which means he was sent out. And then he went out and the very people that he couldn't stand, the Gentiles, he was called to minister to them. And then he did. And then he lived a life where he went around and he gave everything he had to the cause. He was one of those that, that you know, he didn't let things get him down and people didn't believe it. That was fine. He'd go back in. He was a very driven person. And one time they got so mad at him, they stoned him to death. And it says that his soul went up to the third heaven. And then he came back to life and he got up after being stoned to death and went back to the town and preached again. <laughs> That's the kind of guy we're talking about. I mean, he was, he was just a hero. I mean, he was a legend in his own time. I mean, this guy had done everything. And when he got to the end of his life, you've got to understand, here's where he was at. He was blind, and we know that because, because he had people writing some of the scriptures because he couldn't do it anymore. He had started to lose some of his abilities. And, he, um, and then, and then he, I believe he was authoritative because he had been beaten many times. He had been beaten for serving. They beat him in public. And so I believe he was authoritative, and so it hurts. There's a couple of problems with getting old. I'd like to just you know, highlight them for you, and I'm sure the Apostle Paul would agree with this. Uh, the, the problem with getting old is this, is that for some of us, we, we have a past. You know what I mean? It's hard when you're getting older because the past, there's more years back there. And so a lot of things come to light. And even though, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to see, it's like, man, you start thinking of what happened before. And, and, and it's like, hey, either good or bad, where it's like, man, I messed up so bad in my life, I don't think I can go forward. That could have been the Apostle Paul. Or, or the other problem is this, is that I've done so well that I can't get over it. You know, I heard a great army general, he said one time, he said, you know what, you know what, you know what the greatest enemy of today is, today's success? 
yesterdays. Because you're always fighting the last war. You're living back here. And what I believe God is saying is this. He's going, hey, wait a minute. Be careful because you're going to mess up the whole thing in the last few minutes because you think it's over. And it's not. You know what the other problem with getting old is? It hurts. You all agree with that? Some of you guys played that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You you feel the pain. And some of us played that kickball game the other week with the slip and slides. And uh, we learned. We're not as young as we were. And we hurt some of the older guys. And uh, not me, but some of the old guys. And and so they had to take pain medicine and stuff like that the next day because it hurts. But, you know, you start to lose ability. You you start to not be able to do what you once could do. Um, That's hard. Um, Can I tell you what else? You lose people. If you live long enough, you watch people that are in their 90s, you go, how many people do you know anymore? They don't. And you go, you've watched everything die around you, and that's part of the thing with getting old, and it's so hard. The other part is this, is that as you get old, the expectations you have about life. You see, you thought, you know, hey, retirement's just ahead, and you see all these pictures thinking, hey, it's going to be like this for me, but instead... It doesn't quite turn out that way because somebody's not here anymore. I dreamed of a retirement with them, but they're not here. I dreamed of a retirement, and I hope, and here's what I hear from a lot of people that have invested and done everything. They get to the end, and they go, I hope that my health holds out. Can can I help you with something? I've done services in nursing homes. Your health won't hold out. And nobody, nobody, everybody wants to think, when this is done, when all these pictures that we have up here, in fact, I had one I took this week at Virginia Beach. It says, um, you can't see it, but it was, on a, it was on the back of an RV, and it said, this is our last adventure before dementia. <laughs> I love that. You know, that's awesome. And you know what we're dreaming of? And it's funny, and it's pithy, and then there's one of the biker bar where we went last week. We said, hey, when you have a midlife crisis, you buy a Harley, right? And all the guys are out there riding it. And then when you get old, here's the biker bar with all the scooters in front of it. You know, that's in Florida. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's how you, it ends up. And you go, hey, that's funny. That's pithy. That's what I want. Right? And I want to take the cruise and I want to do the thing and I've invested and I can get there. And that's my dream of retirement. And let me tell you something. It doesn't hold out. It doesn't last. And nobody goes, well, don't tell me about that. Because after this, you die. No, that's not true. Then there's some years that you go, we don't want to think about those. Nobody wants to think about those. And God is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. When that time comes, there's two minutes left on the clock. Don't leave it all in the field. Here's what we want to read, okay? This could have been the text for today, and, 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 but we read this for the young adult thing, so, so don't think it's not an important text. It is. But if you take this out of context, you're going to miss what God's message is for you if you're in this stage in life, okay? You, you might want to read, and I, and I don't have it up on the screen or in your outlines. You can, you can go back and listen to the old message if you want. 2 Timothy 4.6, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. That's a great text. You know what it's a great text for? To read at your funeral. And, I'm, and all joking aside. Because if you read this verse too soon, you know what you're going to say? I have finished the race, and God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. you're not dead yet. Okay? And, and a lot of older people want to read this and hang on to that, and that's what I did. And he's going, wait a minute, you got two minutes left, and the game is won and lost here and you're going you're gonna to mess it all up because I still left you here. Wait a minute, with all my pain? Yeah. With all, all the expectations that didn't happen? Yeah. Because that just might be the most important moment. Now, here's what it's not. It's not this. It's not the stage, okay? Because as you get old like that, you, you, how many people are, are knowing what the people in the nursing home are saying? You don't, do you? But let me tell you something. You could have the greatest impact at the end 
And the Apostle Paul did, and I'll tell you what he did, and maybe it's a model for us. So, so I'm not saying this verse is bad. Just don't think that it's for now, okay? Okay. <laughs> I know that's pointed. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Here's where I want to pick up. Let me explain where he's at. He's at the end, and, and he's been ministering hard. He's been through three difficult ministry journeys in the ancient times, which is very difficult to travel. He's old, he's arthritic, he's blind, and basically the people are coming alongside him and saying, Paul, you've pretty much done what you can do, which is not untrue. And he's not saying that he doesn't want to delegate, so please don't hear that. If you need to know about delegation, go back and listen to the young adult message because we talked about that, that we do got to pass the baton. We do got to realize we can't hold on to it forever, that we do need to pass it on. I agree with that. But he's not done with Paul. And they tell him he comes there because he had just offended a whole bunch of people that were Judaizers, the same kind of people he was, Pharisees. And they had, they had found him in Asia, and they, he had been offended. So they had been tracking him and saying, we want to stamp out Paul. We want to stop him from continuing to teach this stuff. And Paul said, I feel like the Holy Spirit, here's what he says, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. He says, and, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And everybody's going, no, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. They're gunning for you, Paul. They're going to execute you. Here's what you want to do. It's your retirement. You know what you need to do? Go up on the hill and write a few books. Okay? You seen this? Go, go, on the, go on the tour. You're not part of the package anymore. Here's what you need to do. You need to just go off and just relax and coast and, and let, let some other guys pick this up. And the Apostle Paul said this, and I want you to circle this if this is your stage or, or everybody because everybody's going to make it to this stage. You just don't know who, who's going to make it. Okay? And now compelled by the Spirit. You know who he's following? Not what everybody's telling him. Not human wisdom. What he's saying is, the Holy Spirit is compelling me to go to Jerusalem, and let me know what I know about the plan that the Holy Spirit has for me. You know what it is? I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> I'll tell you something. If you know, and you've planned, and you know everything that God's going to do, you're probably not doing it right. Because he hasn't given you the plan. Trust me. Life, and, and, and you talk to somebody older, you see somebody really old, you go up and ask them, say, hey, let me ask you a question. Did life turn out like you thought? <laughs> well, let me ask you, did it? I mean, even for any of us, did it turn out exactly like you, you've been married, right? Did it turn out like you thought? Is it great, right? But it's nothing like you thought it would be, right? It's just the way it is. And he's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit is compelling me to go there. The other part I want you to circle compelled for is this. He's following the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God even now. He doesn't think, I know everything. I'll tell you something about getting old. A lot of people think, I know it all. I know everything that God, I've seen it, done it, got the t-shirt, know everything. The Apostle Paul didn't say that. And there's a reason why God is punctuating the story. He spends a lot of time talking about the story. Verse 23, I only know, here's what I do know, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me, you're not going to like this part as I don't like it, that prison and hardship are facing me. You want to circle something? Hardship. Getting old hurts. And he's saying, not only that, but the Spirit has kind of revealed, the only thing he's revealed to me is that I'm going to prison, and it's going to be tough. <laughs> Oof, nobody wants to hear that. Verse 24, however, I consider, it even gets worse. <laughs> Here's the advice from the great apostle at the end. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. <laughs> you want to underline that? <laughs> Oof, this is terrible. <laughs> How is that inspiring? Let me tell you why this is inspiring. 
Because what he's saying is he's repeating what he learned from the life of Christ. And I don't know if you know the text, but it's in Matthew. And Jesus teaches, and he says, hey, let me ask you a question. Why do you worry about your life? What you eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. You're self-absorbed. He's saying, because if you lose your life for me, you'll gain it. But if you hold on to your life, then you'll lose it. Remember when he said that? And then, and then they're going, oh, but, but I need my life. I mean, that's important to me. And he's going, but let me, let me, let me explain it a different way. You're going to lose it one way or the other. And the question is, will you lose it on purpose with a purpose? And that's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. He's not saying his life doesn't matter. He's saying give your life to something of value. Because then he goes on to say this. My only aim, you want to underline that? My only aim is what? To finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task, what's the task? Here's the goal. And it's the same one we need to have. To testify to the good news of God's grace. The Apostle Paul said, I have influence, and it hurts. I've been through a lot of pain with this. And I'm getting to the end, and I've lost a lot. And I could focus on that, but what he chose to focus on was God's mission. He used all of his influence. Whether you know it or not, you have influence. And it's all you really have in the end because you start to lose abilities. And he's going, hey, you know what I'm going to do with the end? I'm going to use everything I got for the cause of the gospel, not myself. So let me ask you a question. How are you using your influence? How will you use the influence God has given you? To build up yourself or the gospel? I know that's tough. Maybe you need to write that question down. For you or the gospel? Because i got to tell you, you probably can't do both. Now, it doesn't mean we can't have a good time. It doesn't mean we can't plan for the future. But if you're obsessed with me living in comfort, let me tell you, it doesn't work that way. Because hardship is what follows the gospel, not me. And let me tell you something about getting older. Maybe you've seen this. People get very self-absorbed. And they're worried about their comfort. And they're worried about making sure they get what they need. And it's natural because you go, when you're isolated, Trust me when I tell you, I've watched it, and I go, I'm not judging it. Because I get that when you're all alone, and that's all you have to think about, it's tough not to be that. And Paul is saying, pay attention, because you've got to invest in the gospel, and that's tough. But that's the only thing worthwhile. The other one is this. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to choose whether you're going to coast. You can do that in two minutes, you know. You can coast, or you can leave it all in the field, because you can't do both. You, you can dig deep and go out there and give everything you got, or you, can, or you can coast it out and say, you know what, I've done my part. Somebody else needs to pick it up, and I'm done. I fought the good fight and say it too early. You know how many times he said, I hope I complete the race? He didn't mean it's salvation. What he meant was, I need to complete the mission that God has given me, and I'm real close to missing up right at the end. Don't do that. Okay. Verse 16 when we got to Rome, okay, this is Acts 28, so we're going to skip to Acts chapter 28. Um, we've skipped eight chapters. Now you're going to see how the story turns out. When we got to Rome, wait a minute, we're in Jerusalem. We were, but now we're in Rome. Let me tell you what happened. He goes to Jerusalem, and they arrest him, and it's a terrible time. They beat him. He says, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Roman citizen. You have to send me to Rome. So off to Rome he goes. It takes a long time to get there. And on the way, he has a shipwreck. And he could have escaped, but he didn't because he's mission-focused. 
Now, he gets, to, he gets to Rome. Now, he's been arrested for the cause. The people had come there that are against him and spent all their times being against him. And now he's in Rome. When he got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Now, his conditions were a little better in Rome. Praise God. But now he's got a choice. You see, see he's, he's now in Rome. And, and what I want to tell you is, is that's not how he always dreamed about going to Rome. You know what I think he thought? I'm going to preach in Rome. I'm going to preach in the biggest cathedral in the world. I'm going to preach in the biggest venues in the world. That's not how he goes. He goes in chains, and now he's stuck there. And what do you do when you're stuck? Well, I can't do anything, right? I can't do anything more because I've got chains on me now, right? I've got cancer. I've got, I've got chains. I can't, you can't mean that God wants me to do anything now because I can't do anything more. So I'm out of the race. I'm, I'm stuck here with a soldier. Let me show you what he does because I think it's important. He, um, he had a choice to make. And here's the choice. The choice was between regret and resentment or the mission. This is the choice that the Apostle Paul, and it's the same for all of us. Regret and resentment means you're looking for somebody to blame. Regret means I blame myself for life not turning out the way I thought it would be. Resentment means I'm blaming somebody else for the way my life turned out. You get the idea? Or I can opt for the mission. And here's what Paul opted for. Acts chapter 28, verse 17. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. So he called all the Jewish leaders together. That doesn't sound like a big deal. So right after getting to Rome, he calls, he decides to be about the mission. He has to rest for a couple days. And then he says, hey, you guys come meet with me. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal unless you know who these Jewish leaders are. You know who they are? They're the guys that threw him in prison. They're the guys that were against him. And he said, I can't do anything else with anyone else because nobody else is here. The only people here that I know in Rome, you know who they are? The ones that are waiting for my trial to make sure I get executed. And you know what he does? He calls them in to meet with him. Talk about mission focused. <laughs> and he does it rapidly. Can I tell you something else about old? You don't have time to waste. This is hard. You don't have time to go, well, let me think about that. Let me, let me spend a little bit more time because Paul doesn't know how long he has. You don't have time to waste to get around to it. There's two minutes left on the clock, and now's the time to leave it all on the field. And he's looking out, and he's going, I think God has a plan for those guys. And you go, you can't possibly mean you think God has a plan for those guys. They're the ones that put you here. <laughs> let me tell you what he does. Acts 28, verse 23. They arranged to meet with Paul on a certain day. And came in even bigger numbers, larger numbers, to the place where, where he was staying. So all these people came at his request, probably just to go, we get to yell at Paul, or we get to tell him how stupid we think he is. And he did what? Circle it. He witnessed to them from what? Morning till evening, explaining, circle that word explaining, about the kingdom of God. That's what it was all about. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to do what? He persuaded, circle that, persuade them about Jesus. He used all of his influence, but I want you to see in what way he did. See, he could have been bitter and cantankerous. He had lots of pains and hurts and aches. But what he did was he said, you know what? I see something here. And instead of spitting vinegar like he could have, and he could have, he had every reason to spit vinegar. You guys put me here. It's your fault. Let me tell you God's truth. You went against the apostle. 
No, he didn't do that. You know what he did? He witnessed to them. He explained to them. He invested in them. He tried to persuade them. It's, it's just as important what you, how you share the truth as the truth itself. It's true. The acid test for sharing it isn't just that it's true. Did you know that? A lot of people think that. They go, you know why? I told it because it's true. Can I tell you something? Gossip's true, and it's the greatest sin there is. You can burn everything down with it. The truth can burn everything down when not used correctly. And Paul said, I'm not spitting vinegar at these people. I'm explaining and persuading and using all of my ability to help these people who you would think nobody should try to witness to these people. They're horrible people. You know why he could do that? Because he never forgot who he was. I used to be like that. And I think there's value in trying to help them. Okay, verse 28. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. This is very important because you may think at the end especially, you know what, when I call everybody in and I use my influence, then everybody's just going to jump on board and think I'm wonderful. No, they won't. But you know what? Some will. And to that some, it makes all the difference in the world. Don't be distracted by the ones that don't. Be saying, man, look what God has done with the ones that are here. And realize it may go past your lifetime. Okay. Verse 28, here's what he told them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. You know why he called them in? He wanted to share the gospel with them, but he wanted to share the plan of the gospel. He was leading and positioning the people who were religious people to say, let me explain something to you. The Gentiles can get saved. You see, you guys are just as messed up as I was because I was following the methodology that we had been following our whole lives. And I was so upset and I was saying the Christians are violating God's principles. But then I found that they weren't. I found that it wasn't about the... It was about the principles, not the methods. And the method now has changed. And Paul spent all of his time talking to people that were like him and saying, hey, guys, I'm not going to be here soon. And what I want to do, what I want to leave is, don't do it like Paul. Don't do it like you. Do it for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you what I think he's saying to some people that are in the end of their game? They're going, oh, we ain't done church this way before. We don't think we ought to do church like that. And we're going, hey, are you willing to say, hey, here's the principles of God's word, but we'll position it before we leave so that the gospel will be advanced. And it means we might have to do things we've never done. What got us here won't get us there. Same gospel, different method, different method. And Paul is punctuating it in his life to say, make sure you give it to them. And here's how he did it. Verse 30, it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed in his own rented house. And he did what? He welcomed all who came to see him. You think that was easy? You think it's easy to go, I'm waiting execution for something I don't deserve? And yet he spent the time welcoming because he understood if I send out the positive message at the end, I may have an impact that you can't believe. And he did. And he did. Here's the last part I want you to see. Verse 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with what? With all boldness, circle that word, and without hindrance. And that's the end. That's the end of the book of Acts. Do you think that God is making a point here to end the book of Acts with Paul in this state? Paul waited, and after those two years, he got executed. And through history, we know he was beheaded. 
which is a horrible way to die. You might think it's just beheading. They beat you before they do that. You die alone, naked, hurting, all by yourself. And he could have left thinking, what impact did I have? But let me tell you something about the life of the Apostle Paul. You know what he did? In the end, he left it all on the field. That's the Apostle Paul. In the end, the Apostle Paul left it all on the field. It's a fact. You see, he had dreamed about going to Rome. Let me just give you a little bit of perspective, and I don't dream to tell you what God is allowing and why God allows it. He dreamed of going to Rome to preach, and if he had preached, you know what he would have done? He probably would have been able to win thousands of people to Christ in Rome, maybe, maybe even millions, even in ancient times of one generation. But while he sat in that room, you know what he did? He wrote letters to the church. And today they fill up nearly half of the New Testament. Not just one generation, but, but all generations that come to faith in Christ over the last 2,000 years. How many people was that that read the book of Romans? Did you ever think about that? The, the letter to the church at Rome was written. You get it? And now we're saved as a result. He couldn't see that. Let me tell you something about old. Let me tell you something about perspective. We think that it's all up here on the stage, but it's not. It's what goes beyond us. And we could mess it all up. And I really believe God is here saying this. There's two minutes left on the clock. Don't blow the game. Leave it all on the field. And i got to tell you, it's worth it. Now, I want to I explain through the lens of some people that I've known. And, I, and, I, and there are several people here even that I could use. There are several people that are alive I could use. But, but I think that sometimes that loses its input. So I picked some people that are no longer with us. And I just want to share a couple of stories with you. And you can contextualize it however you want. But it's something that I've seen in my own personal life. So, so what you got to understand is when you start a church, we're getting ready to celebrate five years next Sunday, and I'm thrilled. But when you start a church, you're very vulnerable. And I was especially vulnerable when we started this church. I had gone through one of the hardest times of my life right before this. And so it made me very insecure as a leader. And when you come into a church and, and you're going, hey, we're, we're launching a church, and you're coming out of a very large church like Western Branch Community, they had a senior pastor that had been there 20-some years, and they'd grown to a large size, and he was a great communicator. And, and you're asking people, hey, would you come out with me? And I don't know where we're going to go. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to meet. And you really haven't heard me preach much, but I'm, you're pretty sure you're, I'm not as good as Jim. I, I wasn't, but now, you know, better. You know, whatever. Just, I'm not sorry. <laughs> but then I wasn't. Okay, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> it's tough. Who's going to come? And I could tell you about a lot of people who come and sacrifice, and you'll never know what that meant. But here's what I want to tell you about. I had a couple people that were old that came. One of them, her name was Audrey Shell. Now, you might not know that name, but you might know Linda Jennings. She, she came up the other week, and we prayed over her because God is calling her to another ministry. And Linda Jennings' mother was Audrey Shell, And so Linda said, I really would love to help with this church plant, but I don't know if I can because my mom's in her 90s, and, and my husband Jack is in his 90s and because um, Linda had married Jack and he was a little bit older than her and so she was like I don't know if I can come because they're so tied into the community group that they're in and I remember Audrey Shell was the one that made the decision and she said I, I want to be part of that I feel like the Holy Spirit of God is compelling me to come and leave that and come here and help you with that she used to sit right over here. Jack, Jack died, and you guys didn't know it, but, but Jack was so into the church, and he asked me to preach his funeral. Now, you don't know what that means to me. Jack is one of the most decorated military officers in the state of Virginia. That says a lot, okay? Nine Purple Hearts, two Navy Crosses. He, he'd seen combat. He was a combat veteran. He wasn't like an officer. He was a combat on the ground doing amazing things. Okay. 
he asked me to do his funeral. And we didn't do it here in this church. We did it at Western Branch. But, but he brought, they wanted his ashes brought here because he never got to come in this building. I just want you to know, do you know what that meant to a young guy getting started, or maybe not so young, but, but new to this, and that endorsement meant the world? You get the idea? He left it all in the field. He gave us that flag. That's why it's so important to me. And Audrey gave us that flag. And Audrey sat over here, and she had hearing aids, and she died a year after Jack, and she would sit here, and, and every now and then she'd say, you know, when John goes on and on, <laughs> I just turn my hearing aids off. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She had a sense of humor. <laughs> but, but here's what she did for me. She would encourage me. She'd come to me and say, man, you did a great job today. Hey, you know what? I believe in this church. I know what's going to happen in the life of this church. And she prayed for this church, and she prayed. And let me tell you something about that. As a result, we've seen a lot of people come to faith in Christ. And I believe Audrey Shell had a, a, a lot to do with that. If, you, if, you, if you've been changed by the life of New Branch Community Church, Audrey Shell left it all on the field. She could have stayed where she was. You get the idea? Make sure you don't cease to dream just because you're getting older. Okay, another one was this. Now, he wasn't as old age-wise, but this is not about age. It's more about season of life. It was a man by the name of Neil Christopher. You may or may not know him. If you knew him, then you won't be offended by this. He was probably the weirdest person I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> and I can say that because we're very close friends. I see everybody else is offended, and they're going, oh, this is on a live broadcast. <laughs> His wife would say that, too. I love Neil Christopher with everything in my heart. But when he came, I was like, I don't know if I want Neil to come because he was overbearing, he was pushy, he was, he was just, this, he came in a very strange package and he was also, he said a lot of Christianese stuff, you know what I mean? It was like, it was like when he came to you, well, uh, he didn't call me Pat, Brother John, Brother John, Brother, 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 and then praise the Lord, Brother, praise the Lord, and he would say that, I mean, like over and over, and I'm not exaggerating to say it that many times, that's how Neil would do in the course of a conversation. And I thought, I don't know how you're going to fit, man. And then he said, do you mind if I wear a suit the first Sunday? And we're like, Sure, you can do that. You know, I was like, that's going to be, you know, in this building. And we didn't have any carpet, nothing in here then. And it was like, that's going to be weird, but okay. And Neil came, and he fit right in, and he welcomed every person that walked through those doors. But not only did he do that, but here's what he said. He said, can I come early? Can I pray over every chair here? And he'd come every Sunday for the first year, and he prayed over every chair in this church for a year. Nobody knew he did that. And Neil was sick. He had had a lot of health problems. And, and because of that, he had to stop coming for a season. And what I learned about Neil was, is during that time in his life, here's what he did. He, he was very vulnerable to us, and he shared. He opened up. That's why I say community is so important. He didn't just say, hey, this doesn't bother me or act like he's just doing fine. He came in, and he said, hey, could we pray together? And so we set up Tuesdays, and we opened up the church, and several of us came in here, and we'd pray every Tuesday together for almost a year. And he prayed for everybody in the church, and he would share when he was having hard times. But that, I really believe, impacted, and the reason why this life of the church is, is because Neil Christopher, let me tell you what he did. He left it all on the field. I could tell you so many more things about Neil. All right, I, I, got, I got another one. Um, before we started the church, we used to do a service, and we still do, um, at Autumn Care Nursing Home. And I, and I preached it because it was just, you know, somebody asked us to do it. I didn't really want to. And Mabel Arnold was the reason why we did it. And I would love to talk about her today, and we'll talk about Mabel another time. But she's one of the ones that I would think of when it comes to this. But there was a little black lady we met there, and I've talked about her many times. But I want to tell you today maybe something you didn't know about her. Her name was Miss Pittman. And she would always greet us when we came in, and, and she was so enthusiastic. And I always wondered, I was like, how could you be like that and live here? It was an inspiration. It was like, how could you be praising God and live here where you don't have anything? And she had a lot of loss and a lot of hurt. And what it taught me about this, and I learned a lot from Ms. Pittman, which said, you can still serve God even when it's hard, even when, even when it hurts, 
Even when you're in a nursing home. Even, and she went around and she encouraged everybody in the nursing home. She did. Even when she started getting dementia. But let me tell you what she did for me. I, I preached there and, and, I was, and, I, and it was an opportunity to preach some. And so I'm preaching before older people and so it was a little bit more difficult. And I had this one message that I preached about the burning bush. <laughs> and a lot of people have heard that because she, every time she would mention this word. And it, when I, I was new to props then and so I had this idea of this big prop that where the bush would catch on fire. <laughs> and... Uh, and then they said, it's a nursing home, you're going to blow them up because they all have oxygen. <laughs> I was like, man, I didn't think that through. So you learn to make sure you do things with the audience. Uh, but but, but I, I, had, I didn't have many thoughts, but, but, but I really believe the Holy Spirit laid this on me. I, I was going to go there, and I, and I felt like I, the story of Moses has always meant a lot to me, especially when he was in Midian. And I felt like I had come through a season of Midian, and I was going to come there and say, I, I'm, I'm like Moses coming from the backside of the desert. I kind of thought that. It's kind of arrogant, but I thought that. And, and as, I, as I started thinking about the message, the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me to go, you are not. You're not 80 years old. You ain't been through nothing. You've glimpsed the desert. They've been through the desert. What do you think you're doing? You're not Moses. You know what you are? You're the bush. That I'm going to set on fire. And maybe one of those that are Moses is going to step up. Because they're Moses. You just didn't see it. So I said that. And Miss Pittman, every time you see her, and you can ask anybody that knows her, she would say, every time she see me, she'd say, I ain't never heard anybody tell me about the burning bush. And everybody would laugh and go, man, she just can't get past it. She must have dementia. But let me tell you what it means, because I don't think everybody grasped what she was talking about. You know what it meant? I get it. I'm Moses. It's not about the burning bush. It's saying, you told me that God is calling me, and I'm not giving up, and I'm going to leave it all on the field. You get the picture? That's what it means. And she left it all in the field. She died. Her funeral was amazing. It wasn't large, but it was her. And she used her life to encourage other people. She'll never know what she meant to me. All right, so one last one. I'm going to take the time for this one because it's important. I don't talk about him much, but my father meant, meant a lot to me. I, I don't not talk about him because I don't like him. I just don't mention it much. My dad was a pastor, for those of you that didn't know. Um, he had a very difficult journey to becoming a pastor. He, he was young when he accepted Christ, and he got very zealous, and he went out and he started a church. That was the first thing that he did, and his church plant failed. And you'd, you'd have to have planted a church to understand if it fails, that's bad, especially for a young guy. And it made him feel like, am I even called? And so he didn't pastor again until he was in his 40s, about the same age I am now. And he pastored right down the street at Antioch Christian Church. And he had a level of maturity and, and a lot of people, in fact, there's some people that have accepted Christ that are here today. They told me that. They've said, hey, your dad was the one that led me to the Lord. It's amazing. It's amazing to be part of a church that has people that he impacted. It's been 20 years since he died. But, but here's, what, here's what happened with me and my dad. When, when I was a senior in high school, he had had cancer. And, and he was on his way out. And so he had to step back from ministry, and he started to lose things. Like, like he lost, like, a lot of money during that time, and, and some of it was planning, and we can get into that. But a lot of it was, it just hit him and blindsided him. And so he didn't have money for me to go to college, and, that, and it just devastated him. You have to be a man to understand. You want to provide, and he wanted to do all these things, and he couldn't. And it crushed him. And he had a dream, and a lot of people don't know that. He was 53 when he died. And he had a dream that he would start a church. And, he, and I really think he thought, I'll retire at 55, and I'll pastor out here, and I'll turn this church over to somebody else, and then I'm going to plant a church. But he died. You get the idea? 
I remember sitting at his bedside as he was dying and going, aren't you bitter? I mean, you gave all this to God, and now it seems like at the end you're losing everything you got. And I remember he would say to me, he'd say, son, I'm not angry with God. You see, I may have let God down sometime, but he ain't never let me down. And that wasn't just words. He actually really believed it. And I saw his faith. Because here's what I know, guys. I never remember. Can I tell you how many messages I remember my dad preached? None. <laughs> that hurts as a pastor, trust me. As I think about that for my son. You know, it's like, what do you remember? None. You know why? Because all this doesn't matter if the life doesn't back. All this could be crap. And I mean, I don't mean to be coarse, but I'm just saying, this doesn't matter if your life doesn't back it up. What changed my life was watching him, and he'll never know it. You get it? And in the end, when there was nothing left, let me tell you what he did. You know what he did? He left it all on the field. Now, let me tell you what he didn't know. He, he didn't know I was called in the ministry. Didn't. He dreamed of planting a church. You want me to say it or you want me to Beyond him. Be careful that you don't contextualize your life because you don't know enough. God is coming today and he's saying there's two minutes left. Don't check out now because the greatest work wasn't everything you did up till now. It is now. You see? And the only reason why I told you about these people, and you'll have to contextualize it how you see it, is this. That's just a glimpse of what can happen if you don't. If you were to give it all, that's a glimpse of what can happen. Today we're taking the Lord's Supper. And I think it's, I think it's great that we're doing it because it's right before our anniversary. And so the last thing we do before we celebrate five years is this. Remember what this is all about. So I'm going to ask you to reflect. You do not need to be part of New Branch Community Church to do this. It's not us that invites you. You know who it is? It's Jesus Christ himself. If you feel unworthy, you know what? You really are unworthy. It takes the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if you'll receive him, then you can be part of this meal. Okay? As Christians, you know what it says? If you, if you eat and drink of this meal unworthily, you drink and eat the, the plagues that are in this book. The worst being this, separation from God. It's saying remember and come back to Christ. We're going to show a short video clip as we pass out the communion today. And I want you to think what this is all about. Leave it all on the field. the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before this table today and we realize we're not worthy of this except through you because of your broken body and your shed blood for the complete remission of our sins. Lord, for the church, it means this, Lord, as we get ready to celebrate five years, it makes sure that we remember what this is all about. For whatever stage we're at in life, Lord, it's telling us, make sure we remember what this is all about. That we're not doing this for our glory, but yours. That, Lord, we're not doing what we do now for guilt. We're not serving you out of guilt. We're serving you because we love you. Because of all you've done for us. And that you're right here with us. And, and, a, and it's worth us giving our life to the gospel of Christ. And I pray that, Lord, that's what this church will be about. I pray for the person, Lord, that's separated from you. For the person that came through the doors today and they go, you know what, I don't even know what this is all about. And I pray that maybe they'll open up for the first time and go, you know what, there's a Savior, Jesus Christ. And I may not understand it all, but I understand that God sent him because I'm a sinner and he died for me and I can be saved. And if they receive him, then they're welcome at this table. Lord, I pray for the Christian 
that's, that's slipped away. And they know you as Savior, but, but they've slipped away and life has become about something else. And, they, and they've got all these resentments and bitterness. And it's keeping them from your mission, but not just the mission, but the relationship they could have with you. And that before we let this, these elements touch our lips, it's a reminder to say, we don't want that. We want to be about you. That we might have the joy that the Apostle Paul did. It's also, Lord, to remind us that the, that the reason why you're waiting to come is that there's one more that needs repentance. And it's our job to reach out to them that we can't keep focusing on the past, but we've got to look to the future that says there's one more that needs the gospel. And yes, life hurts, and yes, it's painful, and yes, there's all kinds of things. But our job is to reach out to them. Lord, make us that kind of church. And then we pray, Lord, you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had broken it, he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Receive the body of Christ. On the same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. In another place, he says, for the complete remission of your sins. <laughs> Receive the blood of Christ. And then they went out on a hill, if y'all could stand. They went out on a hill and they sang. And what I want you to do today is this, as we leave. We've already prayed. We've taken communion. I want you to leave in victory today. If you got something, leave it here. If you need prayer, we'll be here after the service. For everybody else, go out there and invite somebody to come back with you next week. Let's launch out the next five years to reach the gospel while there's still time. Thank you guys for being here today. God bless you. Have a great week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.